This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Moera Karatai. Kia Moera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed for the middle of the week. Yes, Wednesday. My task for the day is to draw a picture of your thesis. <laughs> It's going to be really interesting to see how that comes out. So far, I've drawn a big rectangle. Oh, well, that's good. And inside that rectangle, I imagine there are going to be a lot of squiggly lines. There is, because what I'm trying to do is to figure out a way of comparing how people's doctoral thesis theses uh, deal with concepts such as time and place and how we can map those. That'll be fun. So I'm starting like with yours because it's a more ch- began to be a more challenging one to deal with in that, on those terms. So I thought if I can make it work for yours, I can make it work for anybody's. It'll be like mapping constellations. Indeed. And who are we introducing today? Speaking of mapping constellations, uh, today it is my great pleasure to introduce Victoria Campbell, um, also known uh, locally uh, around um, kaitahu circles and uh, in education and in the Dunedin area as Tori. Uh, Tori is a passionate Māori astronomer and really fitting um, given that we have Matariki um, just sort of ca- coming to a close. Uh, it's a really great pleasure to have you with us today, Tori. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora korua, and it's a pleasure to be here. Kia ora, Tori. Mawera, I don't know if you remember this, but Tori and I worked together a disturbingly long time ago now. (laughs) Yes, I did walk past the old D block at Polytech, Sam, and um, had a flashback. And things things have changed, uh, including the digits that we have alongside our our names as far as recognising an age. (laughs) So, Tori, we've been asking people how their lockdown was, how their bubbles... Um, went, we're going. Of course, that's starting to turn into history itself now, but how was your bubble life? To be honest, um, I was living my best life, um, spending time at home with my husband and children um, was an absolute privilege. Uh, we got to do things that we only dreamed of doing, like baking bread and um, growing food from stems and all sorts of things. So it was a real opportunity um, to have that time to spend as a whānau. But I can also appreciate that it was also difficult times uh, for all of us, and and that certainly wasn't lost on me. Were you working as well? Absolutely, I was. In fact, I think I did more work during lockdown than than what I normally do in, in a regular kind of time frame. What were you doing? 
Um, surprisingly, Sam and Mariwa, I um, was involved with our community COVID response, um, working for the iwi. Uh, that was one of my tasks. So I spent a phenomenal amount of time talking with the other response people, ensuring that our communities were kept safe uh, and that whānau and people in need had access to things to help support them during their time in lockdown and, and in their bubbles. And how are they going? Or how, how did they go and how are they going? I can say that I am so overwhelmed by the response from the volunteer people that, you know, made sure we had health and food supplies, education supplies to a vast range of people. Um, so that was really awesome to be able to have a community pull together to support each other. Um, and I think that in general, I'm just really uh, proud of Dunedin's response as a community and supporting each other. So where are you working now? I work out at Moiraki for Te Runanga o Moiraki. I'm the general manager. Um, and during lockdown, we collaborated the three runaka here in, in the Otago region, Kati Huirapa, Kipuki Tiraki, and Te Runanga o Otako. So we worked as a collective um, and we had this part of the coastline covered and inland as well. What are you doing at Moiraki? Did you say you're general manager? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm doing a lot of things. It is a diverse <laughs> role, um, as you can imagine, working for the hapu. Um, but we have some fantastic projects going on out there, uh, ranging from social service and health service initiatives. We've got some housing initiatives, uh, the general te reo and culture kind of support and consultation with the wider community. Uh, I've got staff out there that look after the marae and uh, the surrounding grounds. So, yeah, and obviously COVID was a huge part of my work uh, over the last year. So supporting um, the, the Waitaki district as well as the Otago district with um, our COVID response. And roads? <laughs> that seems to be the ongoing ongoing debate out there whenever we're out there should the council fix that road yes i i think that you'll see me literally i don't like using the term rabbit holes anymore because <laughs> rabbits are a big thing out there as well so uh roading and rabbits i never would have thought they would have been hot topics of conversation as far as my workload goes but they certainly have been let's take the first of your music choices let's have a pearl jam a black why this one well, I'm actually a bit of a bogan at heart, um, and so coming from a, a wonderful student town, uh, listening to Pearl Jam has always been um, something that I've done since high school, and I absolutely love them. I'll tell you a funny story. They come to New Zealand, uh, and they played in Christchurch. However, I was heavily pregnant with our first son, Tumai, back then, so I didn't actually get to go to the concert. My husband rang me and, and held his phone up when my favourite songs were on, which as an emotional eight-month pregnant lady, I bawled my eyes out. I don't know whether um, it was out of love or frustration that I wasn't there, but they're still on my bucket list um, to see at some stage. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. She's all empty on the sheets of 
our first Matsuriki public holiday uh, in Aotearoa, which has been a really long time coming and the work of a lot of really dedicated people. But of course, this is not the beginning of Matsuriki. Matsuriki has been forever. And I really uh, would love to hear from you about what Matsuriki is. That is a huge question. Matariki is a lot of things. So if I pull it into some context, for me, Matariki is a significant time of the year as far as our lunar stellar calendar system goes, or the Maramataka. 
Um, now, there are different versions of the marama tucker, and rightly so. They're regionalised, they're localised, so different whānau and different hapu and iwi will have different marama tucker. But in general, the heliacal rising of Matariki or the pre-dawn rising of Matariki uh, symbolises the end of one season or the completion of a season, a maramataka cycle, and the beginning of a new one. So as far as timekeeping, and I think it's funny that we talked about your, your thesis in timekeeping, Matariki is a timekeeper. Uh, when Matariki, the sun, and another star, Takurua, rise together uh, in our eastern horizon, it's also the alignment of the winter solstice. And so that's another significant time of the Maramataka. So as far as timekeeping goes, Matariki is really significant in that regard. Uh, but also Matariki is a time for reflection. Uh, when we complete one season or one cycle and start another, we reflect on the year that's been or the season that's been. And part of that from a cultural perspective is reflecting on those who have lost. So Matariki is also... Uh, an emotional time for many people as we uh, remember and reflect on our loved ones who passed over that time period. It is also a time for gathering and gathering to share conversations like what we're doing now. So how, how fitting and how wonderful. Traditionally, we would have exchanged information around the health and state of our environment because that would have been the focus of our application of time and maramataka and the sense of growing and producing kai. But matariki is also a time to look to the future, uh, to set goals and, and have aspirations. And so it is also a very exciting time for me and I think many as we look to the future and, and what they that may hold. And I think also blowing bubbles, um, how fitting that we talk about the adapting that we've had to do with this COVID environment and the values and principles of Matariki do allow us to have a time of reflection um, during what has been a tough year and to reset and realign. So I think that's really fitting and I feel that many people can find a connection to Matariki for those reasons. What led you into this into this way of thinking, this way of being? Uh, because it is um, it's just such a beautiful place to occupy and such an incredible message to share. So how did you get to here? I've been very privileged that I've been involved in uh, academic studies for a long time and it was through my tertiary, well, we'd, we'd probably start at high school actually, uh, so learning te reo Māori, which opened up the doorway to mātauraka Māori, to Māori knowledge. I continued that journey through Otago Polytechnic and the University of Otago to Ānanu Aotearoa. Um, so it was through those opportunities um, that I got to learn more about our history, our culture, our language, but also another key part of my learning and, and bridging towards this knowledge was being engaged with tribal activities. So uh, Kotahi Manukaika, Kotahi Manawawata is our tribal language strategy and attending the different wānaka or learning opportunities there connected me with uh, knowledgeable people who shared uh, this wisdom with me and who really um, inspired me to learn more about our Māori astronomy. 
for those of us who live a long way from our homes, like, um, you know, home for me is Otako, but I live here in Whakatane. And how how do we how do we encourage connection into that beautiful space for those of us who have scattered to the four corners of the world? I think there's a couple of uh, avenues there. So one is, and Sam will appreciate this, our information technology is a tool that can be used for connection. So nowadays you can attend runaka hui, you can attend conferences or wānaka via an online option. So it is a providing a platform for people to be able to connect regardless of the travel time or where they are in the world. Um, but also, given now that we have a public holiday, I would like to think that uh, going forward, many New Zealanders might think about uh, a return to home during that time for the absolute purpose of connecting with whānau, connecting with friends, connecting with their marae or their communities. So that is another option that people could look to and plan for in the future. Tori, you've just um, you've just completed an incredible uh, festival. Um, can you tell us about that? How did your festival go? It was wonderful. So it was held up in Timanahuna, the Mackenzie region, and it was a collaboration between uh, the Mackenzie District Council, other stakeholders, and mana whenua. And this was really the first time for us to work on a kaupapa collectively and for the different strands of what we bring to be woven together. Uh, the, the feedback has been overwhelming. Uh, people really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to learn more about Matariki, to actually practice the values. So we gathered, we ate kai, we shared conversation. There was a diverse range of offerings at the festival, uh, from you know book talks and poetry to food and cooking demonstrations to poi weaving, carving workshops. Uh, there was a, a huge range. We had the Otahiwai Mount John Observatory open for the day and for, for many people, many visitors to the region, that's a really special location where some amazing research and work gets done. Uh, so for people to be able to visit those places and, and, and build an understanding of what goes on in the region was really special. So the, it was really busy. We had a ton of people there. Um, and for me, it was really the embodiment of an aspiration of mine, which was to see people come together together and appreciate connecting with each other, but more so with the environment. And the Mackenzie is a, a wonderful environment with pristine dark skies and mountains and lakes. So uh, having the festival there was really special for me. Is this to be an annual event? One would hope so. That's the plan. It's a little bit too soon for me. I'm still on the come down from the festival, but um, the work crew and many people attended um, made note of looking forward to the next festival and we see it growing. So we think that it'll get bigger and bigger, that more people will contribute and that it should become, you know, on people's annual calendar of things to do. Was it a diverse group that attended? Absolutely. In fact, one of the things when I reflect that I recall and actually personally um, absolutely love is the fact that there were 
all generations there. So we had babies, young children, teenagers, your standard kind of adult sector, but also a huge contingent of our more wiser um, community members, our kaumātua. Uh, we had Tatipani O'Regan um, as part of the festival and also the Honourable Margaret Austin. So a couple of people have really contributed to some big kaupapa into Waipaunamu and Aotearoa, um, but, but they were there and enjoying that. So to see such a large group of people within a huge demographic diversity kind of spectrum was amazing. In terms of the public holiday, do you know how that came about? I've got a little idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so apart from the fact that there have been people throughout Aotearoa championing this course for quite some time, um, you know, 10 plus years. I come in at the tail end of it. There was a Matarihi advisory group formed and I was very privileged to be a part of that group. There were representatives from the kind of spread out throughout Aotearoa. So we had different iwi and regional representation and the group's task was to make recommendations for the government around establishing a public holiday, so looking at dates in particular. We found the task pretty easy to find dates because one of the reasons being is we all agreed that regardless of whether you celebrate Puaka, which is a different star, or Matarihi, that the values behind it all were the same thing. So it was a significant time of the year. It was a time for remembrance, reflection and, and for planning. And we all agreed that the last quarter of the moon phase throughout Aotearoa, throughout our, our different iwi, is known as a prosperous time of that moon cycle. And so we all agreed that having a public holiday that landed in that last moon quarter, uh, cycle or quarter uh, would be appropriate. And so... That's an example of Mātauraka Māori or our knowledge systems informing our decisions and one, ones that we all agreed on. So that's why the public holiday will always fall during the last quarter of a moon cycle. Um, we also promote that regardless of whether different regions celebrate at the beginning of a new of a moon cycle, like in the new moon or on a full moon, um, it doesn't matter. People still have the ability to uh, work their own maramataka or calendar system, and that this was an opportunity for all of Aotearoa to uh, connect with the kaupapa. And so that's a very long-winded answer to your question, Sam, but... Um, we were involved in making the recommendations and then a whole lot of other ministers pushed it through through Parliament and obviously were successful. So we're grateful for that. So when was that work done? We started last year. So I feel that the year has gone incredibly quick, right, because we've, we've had a COVID year. Um, but January last year, um, right through until... Our work, actually, we got it done sooner than people anticipated. Um, but we finished off about August last year. We had finished making our recommendations. And then we've just supported um, different stages of the reading of the bills and the process of getting the public holiday established um, on the fringes. So we didn't have any specific tasks to do apart from make sure that it got over the line. Did that group 
advise the government on the communication strategy around it? Because we've seen lots of adverts and celebrating the different stars and the different messages and things around it. Did that come from that group? We were very strongly opinionated on on messaging. We felt that in order for Aotearoa to connect with the public holiday, they needed to to have an understanding of what Matariki is and, and why. Um, so we certainly encouraged communications. I think that a lot of the group would have expected a bit more, but we've been um, forgiving in the sense that we also didn't plan on being in part of a world pandemic. And so we can appreciate that the priorities have been uh, in other areas. However, people have worked really hard to get those messages out and we can only expect to learn more and to build more understanding as we go forward. Is there a sort of a long-term strategy to like build up that understanding? Like we'll start with this nice easy thing to understand and then we'll introduce the other values and the more complex things as years progress? That's the plan. That is absolutely what we've recommended. We suggested 30 years. That that might have been a bit optimistic. So we've peeled it back to 10. But we do see that New Zealand in general needs a 10-year embedding time frame to be able to reach all of the various communities to be able to share knowledge and, and build up an understanding. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora nā mihi Super excited to have this time with you today celebrating Puaka Matariki. I'm here at my heart's home workplace with the amazing Purukanoi School. And at the moment we're scooping in the pond and scooping some beautiful bugs out, thinking about Waitia Maita, but I've got some amazing Tamariki to share their Matariki experiences. So what have you been doing for Puaka Matariki, please? Um, uh, what sort of things have you been doing to celebrate Puaka Matariki? Um, Doing performances on our new stage. Whoa, that's so cool. Do you want to tell me about your performances that you did? Uh, we did some really fun stuff. Beautiful. Did you want to share? We did some singing. We did some singing on the stage, and and we did the school hacker and the school song. Wow. So with your school hacker, do you know what your school hacker talks about in the hacker? Oh, so beautiful. And what stories did you share for Puaka Matariki? Mm. Timmy, do you want to come and talk about your T-shirt? No. Oh, come and talk about your T-shirt. So Timmy no. here has got a beautiful T-shirt that he's made. Could you tell us about your T-shirt, please, Timmy? Get it in the water. Get it in the water. How, did you, how did you make it's that? It's going to die, guys. It's just going to die. You can't breathe. So it looks to me like there was some screen printing involved. Is that right? Maybe some some screen printing here. And what did what did you screen print onto your t-shirt? White paint and this is bleach here. Beautiful. And what shapes have you put on your t-shirt? Stars. Oh, beautiful. It looks like you've got all the phases of the moon there. That is beautiful. Maramataka. And with the stars, which stars have you put on your T-shirt? Whitey, 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 Tupua, Nuku, Tupua, Langi, Udu, Langi, Pahutu, Yui, Te, Langi, Emma. 
beautiful. So we've got our nine stars of Kwakamatariki. It's very special time. Hiwa Iterangi is my special fave star, the yeah. wish granting star. Yeah, I really love her. The and youngest star, yeah. yeah. And did you make some wishes? Did you yes. think about some things for the future? Yes. So what sort of things were you thinking about for the like, future? Most people wished to be able to buy a hedgehog. <laughs> because they think hedgehogs are real cute. Aww. Because their bellies but, are quite fluffy. Oh. But, um, but I wished for a rabbit and a, a rabbit and a mouse. Oh, beautiful. So a lot of introduced creatures being wished for. Were there any other wishes being made with Hiwai Tirangi? Um I wished for um three wheeler bike. Wow, so you'd have lots of adventures. Papatuanaku, beautiful. And I might ask if it's okay with you, if you wanted to share a little bit about what you've been doing at your school, if you wanted to. Oh, we just had an awesome community celebration on Wednesday night, and that's where and the um, Tamariki celebrated their new outdoor stage with the um, with the waiata. But also, we made lanterns and had a beautiful lantern parade around the grounds, and we had shared kai, which was yeah beautiful and a big bonfire. So you like you said, all the kids are quite um, they can talk about all the different um, fetu, uh, fetu e iwa from Matariki and they they like they understand that this is YT and that they do know all the different like we made kites and they knew that was to celebrate Ururangi so it's, it's really lovely hearing them being able to share the whakapapa of Matariki and what it means yeah thank you so beautiful Pai did you want to share something did you want to share something well kia ora koutou. I really hope for you and your whanau that Wakamatariki has been a really special time. I know for me, I've really, really loved being able to celebrate uh, a lot of different aspects of our community and come together in so many ways to acknowledge those who have passed, but also carrying on their legacy, carrying on their matauraka into the future and thinking how we want things to be for all of our Fano and those coming after us. So I really hope for you you've had a really special Puaka Matariki time and I'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Big thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team. Big mahi to Porakanui School and sending lots of love okay. to you all. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Victoria Campbell. Tori, you are a community minded person um really community-centered practice and you have a genuine care and love of people i can see that where has that come from um i would like to thank my upbringing so i was raised amongst the village so to speak um, my mother in particular had a huge heart for our people uh, our house was known as the place that you go to for uh, kai and cordial and shelter really um, so I've, I had the privilege of having many different people through our house um, connecting with us as a whanau, but also my mother spent a lot of time cooking and supporting in particular Arai Tūru Marae here in Ōtipoti, and so I was always with cousins or extended whanau or friends uh, running around the marae, and I think that that... Um, 
built my rapport and relationship with people. Um, and I just think that it's a good thing to do that, you know, I'm part of a village, part of a community and having connections is really important. And uh, for me, it is the the different friendships and the different conversations that you get to have with people. I love knowledge. And so being able to be in spaces where you can have dialogue and discussions is, you know, really builds up an understanding of the world. And I like to share that with people. Um, so I think, yeah, that's why I care about the community and, and love to be a part of it. Is that a thing? Do you think? Because I, I kind of look at the world at the moment and I see an absence of that uh, being connected and being open and caring and sharing. And I kind of worry about that a, a bit. How do we teach that thing that you grew up with as, your, as the way that you're the, the space that your mum created? I think that we have to live it. So we've got to practice it ourselves. And the more people see it happening or occurring within their daily lives gives them an opportunity to mirror it. And it can be quite challenging at times to be able to, you know, we all want to just put our feet up and have a cup of tea and, and shut the door. But you never know what difference having your door open and having the jug on might make for someone's life. And I know that uh, for me, there have been many times where people have put the jug on and opened their doors up to me and, and how I valued that. And so I try to reciprocate that. Um, I also would like to think that these are these are values that we can all start to connect with and, and live by. I, I reflect on this, and I was raised by boomers pretty much. Um, you know, it is what it is. However, the the values within my household around how we should treat people, around our consumption of things. You know, back then we had a milk run with, with glass bottles and everything shut at 5.30 on a Friday night and town was not open on, on the weekends when I was growing up. And I realised that the time that that provided for me to be able to connect with family and to learn about um some people say being frugal, um, but it was just common sense turning off light switches and pulling the curtains when, you know, winter at five o'clock in, in the winter to keep your heat in. And, um, but these are skills that we've got to remember to pass on. Quite often as, as big people, as adults, we just do it. Whereas I like to share with my children, if you're not using the light, turn it off because A, it saves power. B, it's better for the environment. So giving them the why as opposed to the just do, I think helps build up that understanding and for people to start to see sense in some of the practices that we have. I see at the moment um, a bit of a disconnect that is growing wider and wider, um, which is screens, screen addiction with parents, screen addiction with kids, uh, even sitting in classrooms, watching teachers on social media while the kids are learning, you know, go and read a book and, you know, and then the teacher's sitting there on social media. And, and I just wonder how do we, we actually need to take a big step backwards and away from that space to rebuild relationships, but how do we get our society to a point where we can do that? I can only share um, my kind of perspective and what we do. I mean, I 
definitely think that technology and screens are a huge part of who we are and how we live and it's important to not dismiss those but unlike all good things having some good practices so having screen time off when I do a lot of teaching and learning I like it to be immersive so if we're talking about the environment we get out into the environment um you know if we're talking about connecting with people we're sitting around having a conversation, connecting with people. So I think that as long as we have diversification in, in how we're delivering and how we're engaging things, all things are good in moderation, right? Um, and it's just keeping that balance. So making sure that you know we're, we're having sincere connections with people. Um, and for many, that may be via a device, which is, as I said, that's a benefit, you know, to be able to talk to someone um, who's three or four hours away to say goodnight, that's a nice thing. But we've just got to remember to, to do that and think, you know, maybe every fourth time I need that to be in person. Tori, the theme of our show is positive but not deluded. And latterly, we've been convinced to add a dash of deluded. Where do you see your positive mindset? Because something that I would tell anybody about is that you're looking for a positive person, you go and talk to Tori. Where does that come from? How important is that for you? Um, For me, it's one of the few things that we can control in life is our behaviour and attitudes towards other and, and, you know, our expectations of ourselves and our expectations of others. For me, I've always been raised with you treat people how you would like to be treated. Um, And I have had some wonderful people in my life who have been positive, who have been great role models. And so I try to perpetuate that. Um, We all know that sometimes we have bad days, but quite often if I'm reflecting and I've had a bad day and if I've said something that, uh, you know, might have been a little bit mean or nasty, that just makes me feel really bad. And I've learned enough lessons that actually... Um, treat people the way that you want to be treated because if you've got any type of conscience and it's only going to haunt you um, you know when you take some time to reflect so yeah always try to keep it positive Um, you know I have seen a lot of variation amongst our community so people are living their best lives and people who are struggling but the one thing that you can connect with all of them is the way that you treat them so being nice to people and treating them um, with respect um, can make the difference in someone's life so I've been the um, on the receiving end of that and I know what a difference it's made to me so I've always tried to keep it positive because uh, that's how you're going to affect change how do we move beyond a deficit thinking, deficit framing, without becoming blinkered or, or, or deluded? Because we still need to recognise those challenges. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's a tricky question. For me, it's always, um, and I won't, I won't swear, but you know, you've always got to shovel a little salt to get to the sugar. So it's not being diluted in that regard, right? So you've got to get in the trenches sometimes, and that's how I describe it. But I'm in the trenches, I'm, I'm doing some hard yards, but you don't want to spend all your time in the trenches. But you've got to know that they're a part of, you know, that, that master plan. And um, in general, life does not always go smoothly. So it's about having tools uh, such as knowing that sometimes you've got to get on the grind and, and do the mahi. 
um, to get to the results that you're looking for. So I think that that's my biggest thing that helps me get through is knowing that things don't come easily, especially the good stuff, right? The good stuff's normally the hardest stuff you've got to work for, but the reward is worth it. And so it's that 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 cycle of, of learning that actually you've got to do the mahi to get the treats. And if you share that journey with others, it provides, and this is loop, looping nicely back into your um, navigation corridor right at the start, that it provides pathways for people to see how they can get from you know one place to another metaphorically speaking. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have 660 raining. Why this one? I'm a huge fan of 660. And in fact, um, you'll you'll appreciate that they're from Dunedin and I'm a proud Dunedin Knight. But also the special connectors that a long, long time ago when they were just a bootleg band, not as famous as, as they are now, they played in Oho which, as you'll know, is in Te Manahuna, the Mackenzie uh, country. And my husband and I and a few friends, we went to this to this festival and, and they had a, it would have been 8 o'clock in the morning because um, they were, a, you know, a start-up band and we weren't even at the stage, but we heard them playing and we thought, hey, this is good sound. So we trotted down at 8 o'clock, grabbed a coffee along the way and, and watched this band play and just their sound... Uh, was enough for us to go, this is our type of music. Uh, and then probably a few months later, we were back in Dunedin and they went to a, uh, we went to a gig at uni. They were playing. They played the big hit, Don't Forget Your Roots. My husband and I and our friends uh, were the only ones in the room who didn't have the memo. The, the room was chocker with all of these university uh, students singing their songs. And um, we realised that they'd, they'd bootlegged their uh, sound out and everybody in uni knew who they were, but we were like, wow, these guys are a thing and we've been proudly watching their journey. So that would have been over 10 years ago. 10 plus, no, actually, I can tell you it would have been about 13 years ago. Um, and we've watched their journey like proud parents. <laughs> uh, and so it's always been a, a special connection knowing that... Um, we love their music just from hearing it uh, and also that they're the Dunedin Knights. The sun has gone away Clouds are hanging over me I don't go out to play The city's looking dead to me The birds don't sound the same They sing with no melody Change sky forever. Pray. It's been ready. 
Victoria, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last two and a bit years since the pandemic. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I that is a big question. Um, I think that for a start, the amount of people who have been flexible in um, supporting each other. So we've seen a lot of people shift from roles that they would, you know, do in their their normal life pre-COVID, and they've adapted and they now do a lot more diverse work, uh, I think that's a good thing and that should stick is that adaptability to be able to be flexible and move um, out of the comfort zone in some cases. But also I'm a huge fan of the time thing. So you'll know as an academic, one of the privileges that you get is um, really having, a, apart from if you've got teaching commitments, you have that flexibility of working when it suits you, whether you know, you're know you a night person or a morning person. And I think that the lockdowns taught us that we can be efficient if we have some type of control over that time and making it work for us. And probably the biggest thing is I, and I don't know if I'm deluded or not, but I feel like family for the first time has been put first uh, for a lot of employment contexts. Um, and we've realised that looking after ourselves and seeing our family as an extension of ourselves has been really wonderful and a long time coming. Um, I think that I'm lucky in the sense that I am, have never been afraid to say, look, my family come first regardless and this will be the thing that you like about me and that why you'll find me employable for example um however i think that yeah covid and the lockdowns has provided that thinking space for people to actually go yeah these things are important to us as society and we need to prioritize so those are a few reflections from me so I have some questions to end the show and not very much time ironically so we're going to have to wriggle what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I will definitely anchor it back to Matarehi, uh, you know, prepping for this public holiday just to be involved in something so significant. When, you know, we look back in history, this is going to be one of those moments. And the fact that I was able to contribute to that um, is something that I'm extremely proud of. Um, but also the fact that, I feel that, in general, the community in Aotearoa are ready for some connection and engagement um, at a, a level that we haven't been able to provide in the past. So that's pretty exciting for me. I think it was pretty exciting that people were looking for that connection, not another excuse to buy stuff. Absolutely. You'll like that with your sustainable and environmental lenses on. <laughs> So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What got you into the mansion? My superpower would be um, just having that ability to connect with people regardless of who they are and where they come from because you look for the commonality and you look for that, that value system that will bind you together regardless of your demographic background. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm actively seeking change uh, for the better 
of betterment of our community. So if that's what defines an activist, then that's certainly me. Have we got enough people doing that? Not nearly enough, Sam. So, um, you know, hopefully people might have found some inspiration. I didn't ask anyone's permission to do this. I just started doing it. And the more you do it, the more people will gravitate to you and say, how can I help? So lead by example, live the values, live the practices, and the rest will come. That's awesome. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? This is a real sad and soppy one, but it's seriously the truth. Um, And it does come from a historical perspective and and me having the privilege of uh, learning about our culture and our history, and particularly Pacific history. But my children, they inspire me. My job in this world is to make the world a better place for them. And I hope that they will continue that and make the the world a better place for their children. So if we all have something like that, surely the world's going to be a better place. Exactly. So what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or two? It's actually a personal challenge. We are going to relocate to Te Manahuna, to the Mackenzie District. So that's a challenge for me in the sense that I will be leaving a community and, and, and going to connect with a new community. But if anyone knows me, I've, I'm a pretty good strategist and I've already had several family members and friends and community members coming to uh, my new postcode so that they're familiar with the place and, and find some relevance in it. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be our biggest challenge as a whanau is, is reallocating to a different postcode and... The why, though, uh, excites me and motivates me. So the why is that we want to um, be immersed in that environment and, and try and live those values and practices a little bit more. So it's exciting times. There's no supermarket there. So, you know, <laughs> challenges. And that links back round to our bubbles, right? I've had a few months of practicing cooking um, with limited supplies and re reenacting, you know, donuts and, and yummy chicken that looks and tastes like KFC. So thank goodness that we had that opportunity to, to practice that and, and now I've got to go live it. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I just hope that they, um, I'll link it back to Matariki. If you didn't get a chance to pop out and see if you can spot Matariki in our pre-dawn sky, that try and track Matariki at, at some stage during the year. In December, it's up in the sky at night time, which some people find it a little bit easier to spot. But yeah, just connect with, with that star cluster and see if you can identify it and, and learn something from its um, pattern as it goes across the sky. Thank you for that. Moera. Uh, Tori, I just want to say thank you for the commitment that you've made to education for for all of the time that you've put into enabling other people with new knowledge and opportunities to learn. Um, for the work that you've done around creating this um, acknowledgement of Matariki with our new public holiday for um, the festival that you've just um got to the end of and for your plans for the future um all of that matters so much and um and that's not you know not um taking away from all the things we didn't talk about because i know that you are incredibly important in our community and i just want to say thank you for that commitment that you've made and thanks for joining us today thank you thank you 
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have a contribution today from Tahu Mackenzie. This is 660, not forgetting their roots. I'm Samuel Wan and Soyuz Bay Dunedin with Moira Karatai in Fakutani, and we've been joined from Moiraki by Victoria Campbell. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.